I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. to episode 110 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you've joined me. Today, we're reading the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 11, with commentary from the notes in the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible. And I'm smoking the El Centurion by My Father Cigars in the Toro, six and a quarter by 52 Vitola. And these aren't listed on the My Father website for some reason, so let's go to the Cigars International website and see what they have to say. No doubt you've heard of Jose Pepin Garcia, one of the great cigar makers of our time. And chances are you've sampled some of his work, but I can guarantee you've never seen anything like this before. Originally a limited edition cigar, El Centurion is back and here to stay. Staying true to the original blend, Pepin packs the El Centurion with all well-aged Nicaraguan tobaccos. The kicker here is he incorporates the super unique Sancti Spiritus leaf, which morphs this blend into a spicy sweet beast with notes of pepper and leather. Medium to full body, El Centurion is tasty right out of the box, and after a few months of diligent aging, the real fire begins. El Centurion is available in two different wrapper varieties. The H2K version comes wrapped in top-secret Connecticut sun-grown wrapper from a hybrid Havana 2000 seed that produces an intensely flavorful cigar. The others come wrapped in an oily sun-grown Criollo 98 leaf. And El Centurion has received a well-deserved 90-point rating, and the H2K version has scored as high as 93 points, noting, covered in a toothy, oily wrapper, this cigar delivers a flavorful balance of cedar and tobacco spiced with some pepper notes. And the strength is a medium to full. Wrapper is Criollo 98. Binder and filler are both Nicaraguan. And the Vitolas are Robusto 5.7 by 50. 
the H2K Corona box pressed, 5.5 by 48. Toro, 6.2 by 52. The H2K Toro box pressed, 6 by 52. And the Toro Grande, 6.5 by 58. That is the El Centurion by My Father Cigars. So let's go ahead and get back into the book of Matthew. And this week we're reading in chapter 11. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. And chapter 1 reads, When Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Spurgeon's commentary on verses 2 and 3 say, Now when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Had John's faith begun to waver? It is possible that it had. Elijah had his times of trembling and depression then why might not the second Elijah have the same sort of experience? Possibly John wished to strengthen the faith of his followers, and, therefore, he sent two of his leading disciples to Jesus that they might make the inquiry for themselves as to whether he was the Christ. And back to Matthew in verse 4. And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, He is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. 
the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. And Spurgeon comments on verse 19, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Many true words have been spoken in jest, and many tributes to virtue have been unwittingly paid by the sinister lips of malice. The enemies of our Lord Jesus desired to brand him with infamy, hold him up to derision, and hand his name down to everlasting scorn through their words about him here. Their scandalous charges increased Jesus' reputation. To this day, the Savior is adored by the title that was coined as a slur. It was designed to be a stigma that every good man would shudder at and shrink from, but it has proved to be a fascination that wins the heart and enchants the soul of all the godly. Saints in heaven and saints on earth delight to sing of him as the friend of sinners, which means he is a friend of us all. What the resentful Jews said in bitterness has been turned by the Holy Spirit into a most gracious account. Where they poured out vials of hate, odors of sacred incense arise. Troubled consciences have found a sweet balm in this title for Jesus. He has proved himself to be their friend, and they have become friends with him. He has completely justified the name his enemies gave him in an offensive way. This title sets forth his excellence as the Redeemer, and we must remember that what he was at that time, he is still today. Back to Matthew verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Spurgeon comments on verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Here is the gracious invitation of the gospel in which the Savior's tears and smiles were blended as in a covenant rainbow of promise. Come. Come.
he drives none away. He calls them to himself. His favorite word is come, not go to Moses, but come to me. To Jesus, we must come by a personal trust. Not to doctrine, ordinance, or ministry are we first to come, but to the personal Savior. All laboring and weary ones may come. He does not limit the call to the spiritually laboring, but every working and wearied one is called. Jesus calls me. Jesus promises rest as his gift. His immediate, personal, effectual rest he freely gives to all who come to him by faith. To come to him is the first step, and he invites us to take it. In himself, as the great sacrifice for sin, the conscience, the heart, the understanding obtain complete rest. When we have obtained the rest he gives, we will be ready to hear of a further rest that we find. Back to Matthew in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Spurgeon comments on verse 29 and 30. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the second instruction. It brings with it a further rest that we find. The first rest he gives through his death. The second we find in copying his life. This is no correction of the former statement, but an addition. First, we rest by faith in Jesus, and the next, we rest through obedience to him. Rest from fear is followed by rest from the turbulence of inward passion and the drudgery of self. We shall not only rest from the guilt of sin, this he gives us, but we shall rest in the peace of holiness which we find obedience to him. Come to me is thus a divine prescription, curing our ills by the pardon of sin through our Lord's sacrifice and causing us the greatest peace by sanctifying us to his service. And that's the end of today's reading in the book of Matthew. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible, as well as today's cigar. Also, Groundworks Ministries for daily Bible studies and devotionals, Treats and Truth Ministry, where you can get involved in helping to spread the gospel to and be a blessing to the homeless, and the Burning Bush Merchandise Store, where you can pick up some items to help spread the word about the show. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this, please let them know about the podcast and help share the message of the Bible, the hope we have in Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to contact me, you can email me at steve at theburningbushpodcast.com, which is linked in the show notes as well. So until next time, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless.